Welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I am your host, Kyle Lamb. Today, Ohio State basketball back in action. Thursday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Corey Thompson, my buddy from Scarlet and Great podcast, co-host of the Scarlet and Great podcast, will be along as we preview Ohio State and Iowa. What do they need to do to secure the victory on the road this evening against the Hawkeyes? I'll tell you about that. And also, we'll be talking some Ohio State football. What positions are we interested in seeing for the upcoming year? Is Justin Fields hype for real? Is it legit? Should you be really excited about this upcoming season of Ohio State football? We'll talk about that as well coming up today on the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Be sure to find and follow us on the platform of your choice, whether it be Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other of your favorite third-party apps. You can also say, play the Locked On Buckeyes on your smart speakers to give us a listen. I'm on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Locked On Buckeye. Coming up next, we will talk Ohio State basketball as it's got a huge road test coming up tonight against Iowa. All right, we're back here. Locked on Buckeyes, as promised at the outset of the show. Corey Thompson, co-host of the Scarlet and Great podcast, my brother from another podcasting mother. Corey, welcome back to the big show, buddy. Thank you. It's nice to be called up to the big leagues once in a while. Here, we have all of the amenities of Major League Baseball, and we don't bang on drums to cheat. How's that sound? Not very good because I don't plan on getting any hits. If we don't bang on any drums, let me know what's coming. It's spray and pray on this show, buddy. You can just take a, close your eyes, take a swing, and hope for the best. I mean, you know what they say, a broken clock is right twice a day. Well, I don't know. I might be the exception to that rule. <laughs> just close your eyes and take a swing. Uh, we, we can use Little League policy where you know your coach just says, don't worry, you get a trophy, you participated, that's all that matters. Can we do Little League policy where there's T-ball? The ball is literally sitting right on a tee for me. <laughs> we'll do whatever makes you comfortable, my man. Ohio State basketball back in action tonight. They're at Iowa City, and uh, I didn't look up the spread on this game. I probably should have, but I've been saying all week long, for those of you listening, hey, don't be surprised when you see the spread in Ohio State. It's only a one- or two-point underdog. Um, for many of the reasons that I've been saying previewing this game, this is one that Ohio State can win. Don't get me wrong. Iowa's a very good basketball team. They're twelve and one at home this year, but they're not the the juggernaut that you know people are making them out to be. And Ohio State matches up really well, I think. What are your what are your thoughts and, and expectations for this game? Because I got to tell you, I personally think Ohio State's going to pull off an upset here, and it's only a mild upset. But I think they're going to get it done on Thursday. I think they're going to get blown out by double digits. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I actually like the fact over the last five or six games, minus the uh, Wisconsin game, obviously, except for the second half of the Wisconsin game. They've been playing. I mean, really, it was a two-minute stretch in the Wisconsin game where they got blown out. But, uh, you know, they, they actually have done a great job of being more consistent. I think, the you know, the Rutgers game, notwithstanding, was frustrating as all get out when they let them back into the game. But still, they pretty much controlled that game for, you know, what, 35 minutes of that game. Um you know, and then you go into the Purdue game where they were very consistent the entire game, held on to the leads very uh, very nicely, and they didn't, you know, give up uh, big runs and whatnot. I think they've actually done a great job of being more consistent lately. And it's working on those little things, uh, keeping your energy up in a Big Ten game up the entire game rather than letting go. Uh, so I expect them to actually challenge Iowa. I, I, I don't know if they'll win or not, I, but I definitely think they're capable of pulling off the upset, especially in this year's Big Ten, Kyle, where – 
if you told me like uh, Northwestern going into Iowa could pull off the upside, so yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's honestly, I think I really think the key for this game is the the fact that look, Iowa is not one of those teams that really dribbles uh, or penetrates a lot. They're kind of an inside-outside offense. It really revolves around getting touch uh, touches inside with Luca Garza, and I, I think that plays well to Ohio State because when they're not giving up dribble penetration and they don't have to overhelp on defense, they've been really good. They've been great at limiting teams' uh, shooting percentages when they're doing that right and keeping teams out of the lane. And this is not a team that will dribble on them. They like to pass inside out, and so I think that is one of the reasons why that and, and Iowa's defense not being very good, why I think Ohio State has a really good chance here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think I remember listening to your show and talking about how they're actually like one in four when Lucas scores over 30 points. And, uh, you know, I was, it made, made me think about it for a little bit. It's like, you know, they don't want to get Caleb in foul trouble, obviously. They don't really need him. Do you really think they need him to completely challenge Luca on defense? Because it, Caleb's been playing some solid defense this year, but... I mean, do you think maybe they tell him to, or not tell him to, but kind of hint towards hold back a little bit. If he gets his points, he gets his points. That's not what's going to beat us. We don't need you getting in foul trouble. Do you think that's possible that they, or maybe they even slide Kyle Young over to him just in, or do the uh, use a dig here and there just to st- slow him down, but just not to put all that pressure on Caleb? They will try. My thinking is they're going to try to get his posts on the baseline because that's where you want to dig. And you saw that against Travion Williams of Purdue last week. Ohio State doesn't like to outright double most of the time, but they love to dig. And if you can get Luca Garza touching it on the baseline, that's where the help defense will come from because they'll try to swipe swipe at the ball and get some steals in that situation. But if it's a high post situation, hey, they're going to play it one-on-one and they're going to tell Wesson or Young or any of the guys guarding him, they're just going to say, hey, just keep him in front, deny him good position because that's where he'll beat you. If you... If you let him touch the ball five feet away from the basket, he's probably going to score on you. But I think Ohio State just wants to get out of this without having to double too much. Let him get his points, but don't let you know those secondary and tertiary passes come where open shooters get going. Because in Iowa City, that's where you know if they get going making outside shots, that's where Ohio State's in trouble. Yeah, that's where they've been in trouble for most of the season. Other than the Purdue, it just seems like every team shoots forty-five percent against us, or, or you know, around that, you know, thirty-eight to forty-five percent on the, from the three-point land. And it's extremely frustrating because Kyle, it's not always about bad defense. So they get hot for whatever reason. The team is contagious with it, and they'll hit it from you know uh, almost half court. You know, it just doesn't matter where they're shooting it from. It's so you, you that's what you need to. I agree with you. you need to guard against with Iowa. If Luca's going to get his points, we got at least going to get his points. Uh, but. You know, it, you just you're right. You can't let you can't double down on him. Try to stop him for easy buckets, and then all of a sudden they're they're launching threes on you all night. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, so basically, what you're saying is Caleb needs to do a pretty decent job of keeping him out of a out of a sweet spot. Yeah, just keep him. I I think the defense against Garza has to be done before he touches it because you know Caleb's a good defender, but sometimes Caleb gives up position. If he can keep him out of the position before he touches it, then that's where the game will be won. And and you said you look, you hit on another big point too. And this is something that, as you know, that I I have been touching on. The three point defense has been bad at times, at least on paper. But some of that too, we have to attribute to the fact that uh, Ohio Ohio State is somewhat allowing you know bad or worse shooters to take shots and. It's burnt them in recent weeks. Some of it is playing bad defense and giving up bad shots. 
because of the overhelp on the dribble penetration. But some of it is also letting some guys have more open looks than they normally would do because they're low percentage shooters and they're playing the percentages. It has kind of come back to bite them a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, they're just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to live with that. We're going to let the low percentage shooters beat us. And if they beat us, they beat us. But to be fair, Ohio State has managed to win five out of the last six games. So I kind of think it's worth the risk at this point. Yeah, I mean, what else can you really do? You can't stop everything. And if low low percentage shooters are going to all of a sudden shoot their shoot their shoot themselves out of the gym, it's just okay. Well, what what do you do about that? You know, it's like I got so many other things to worry about. And I got this nobody, uh, this nobody guy off the bench. You know, he scores thirty five out of nowhere because he decides to go. You know, uh, eight of eleven on three pointers. So you know, what are you looking with this team when DJ Carton gets back? It, there's been some. He's not going to play tonight against Iowa. There has been some speculation. Maybe he's going to be back at Ohio State this weekend or next week. That doesn't mean he's going to play right away if that's the case. But do you see Ohio State integrating him as soon as he comes back? Uh, Obviously, he's going to play if he's ready to play. But right now, I think Ohio State's offense kind of has something going with cutting down a little bit on the turnovers. I, I don't think that they need to be in a hurry to get him back in the lineup. I agree. Washington has actually worked out nicely being the the, the alternative point guard to, uh, to C.J. Walker. And Walker probably feeling the intense pressure that he is the ball handler of the team. That's it. Uh, has also done a great job cutting down on his turnovers and, and really done a great job of getting the, the offensive sets going late re, uh, recently. Especially as Chris Holtman said, under duress uh, with Purdue challenged the court quite often. And yet Walker was still able to get us into rotation. Uh, and Washington, got to give him credit. He's doing a much better job picking his shots and picking his spots where he sometimes will take it to the basket, sometimes he'll dish, sometimes he'll create for others. It's uh, I agree with you, Carton. If he comes back, yeah, you know, he's a great young player. He's got a lot of potential. But I think it also helps him if you don't rush him right back into the rotation, uh, you know, playing the same minutes that he was playing. Yeah, you want to play him a little bit, get his feet wet. But And he also provides some depth at guard that we need. But you, you don't want to rely on him right away. You know, maybe it's probably better for him and his psyche and his mentality if you just bring him along a little slower. I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with, with Ohio State's slow work or slow progress back to playing a little closer to what they were early in the year because Dwayne Washington is playing a lot better right now. He's being aggressive, and sure, we know Dwayne Washington is going to take some bad shots at times. That's just Dwayne Washington. That's who he is. But at the same time, he's been a more under control and more poised. And that, along with Luther Muhammad the last couple games, getting his shot back into form, I think we're seeing a lot of progress with this offense and maybe even to the point where we see them break out to, to get really hot here down the stretch. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Luther. I'm so proud of him. Uh, he's, you, know, you notice there's a, there was a point in that Purdue game, not just the shooting, but where he, he tied up the ball with a seven foot three uh, German kid. I think he's German anyway. I don't know. Harms is his name, I think. And he tied up the ball, got a jump ball, or not a jump ball, but he, a tie-up. I'm sorry. I'm to get my terms completely mixed up. But uh, anyway, and then he, he, you know, he jawed at him after that. I haven't seen that Luther in quite a while where he, he was just getting in somebody's face and jawing with him. Luther's got that dog in him. And when he's got that dog in him, he, he's the best Luther Muhammad he can be. And it's obviously last game was an excellent game for him to build on. 
And for a guy who's been a little up and down in his Ohio State career, I'm happy to see that he, that smile, that Luther smile, that Luther dog. I, I'd love seeing that back. I think that just bodes well for the team because I said on, on, on the Scarlet and Great podcast, if Luther's hitting his three, then no matter who you're subbing in at guard, you got three-pointers on the floor. Yeah, you know, look, I think – you're, you're absolutely right about Luther's mentality, and, and that's the Luther that Ohio State needs. And I think people forget injury, suspensions, a disruption to rhythm, slumps, shooting. All of this stuff can affect a, a player's psyche. It can affect a team's psyche. It, when doubt creeps in, it can affect your defense. It can affect your hustle, just the willingness to, to go on the floor and get floor burns to, to come up with a tie-up or a loose ball. Stuff like this can add up, and I, I think Ohio State was kind of going through that there for a little while. I have never felt that the turnovers, that the offense itself, I've, I've never felt any of that was really in jeopardy or a lack of talent or ability with this team. I just think that doubt had crept in and affected and impacted this team's psyche, and I think they are coming out of it. I think they're a team now that believes in themselves and one another and, hey, confidence can go a long way, and I really think this Ohio State team has it now. And, look, who knows? They've still got a tough schedule. They could wind up losing six out of the last seven or whatever. That's possible, but I really think that they're on to something now. You know, just to vindicate what you're saying, Johnny actually got to meet Chris Holtman a few weeks ago. I know you've met Chris Holtman a couple times. Uh, he got to talk to him. He said Holman was pretty candid with him. He just said the biggest problem right now is young players and confidence. Uh, trying to rebuild their confidence is the hardest thing a coach can do sometimes. Uh, he said that it's really, like you said, Kyle, it's not a talent issue. I mean, look, I look around the Big Ten. They're as talented as anybody, really. Uh, they, they, it's not a talent issue. I mean, it's I mean, maybe in spots here and there, but they got plenty of talent, plenty of shooters. They got, uh, you know, they got everything they need to be competitive. It's just they need that mentality. They need that confidence. And we're starting to see that build again. We're starting to see smarter play. And, and smarter play is a result of higher confidence because if you're pressing, that's when you're taking the bad shots. That's when you're forcing bad turnovers. But if you're confident in what you're doing, you're going to let the process come to you in the offense and in the, and on the defense side of the ball. So, And we're starting to see that with the team in the last six games. And I love the fact that they go out to Wisconsin and they get beat up on, and they don't lose that confidence. They come back and win two games almost in dominating fashion both games against two quality opponents. And, and the Big Ten has numerous amount of quality opponents. But uh, Rutgers is a solid team this year. Uh, Purdue is a you know middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, but they're still a solid team. So it's kind of like, okay, gosh, you came back, and other than a couple of minutes against Rutgers, you dominated both games after getting beat up on by Wisconsin. Uh, and in fact, in that Wisconsin game, they came back in the second half and played really well. So it's, uh, I mean, they lost. Yeah, I get it. They lost by 13, but they still ended on a 14 to two run. They still uh, scored, I think, 37 points in the second half. So I, I, I still maintain it. Like the fact that they can bounce back from a bad few minute stretch in the Wisconsin game, lose that game, come back and play really well. That's got to bode well for the rest of the season. It really does. Ohio State, number 25 in the country, going to Iowa City. That is tonight. That tip is 7 p.m. on ESPN. We will recap the Buckeyes and Hawkeyes coming up on the Thursday, or I'm sorry, the Friday edition of Locked on Buckeyes. Coming up next, though, Corey and I will be back as we talk some Ohio State football. Spring is just around the corner. We'll give our thoughts on what's coming up for Ohio State in the spring. Stay with us. We're back here on Locked on Buckeyes. Corey Thompson, co-host 
of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. Joins me as we talk some Ohio State football. We're getting closer and closer to the Ohio State spring game. April 11th, that is a Saturday, a noon kickoff over at the Horseshoe. If you want to go, tickets are $5 for general admission, $15 for limited availability on reserve seats. Be sure to go to the Ohio State Athletic Department's website, and you can get your tickets today to go see Ohio State spring football, which, Corey, we know the spring game. It's the the greatest football in the world, right? I mean, everybody loves the big hits and the pageantry and the, the great football that we see with the Ohio State spring game. Now, it, you know what that is? It's basically you're starving. You, you're just you're, you're dumpster diving, and you, you find like a half-eaten sandwich, and you're okay with it because you're starving. That's what spring game football is. It's kind of why, look, I understand the XFL. It's not the greatest talent in the world. But there are some people being kind of, I think, a little too critical of it. It's not that I don't understand. It's not the greatest quality, but it's football. You've got no other. If you're a football fan, there is no other football going on right now. So just enjoy it. I think like it's a great fan experience, if nothing else. And, and you know, Cardell Jones, man, he is carrying that league so far through two weeks. Yeah, he's got all of Buckeye Nation watching just because of him, and yeah, yeah, and he's been playing really well on top of everything else. And I love the fact that it's another league that doesn't compete with the NFL that allows these guys to get more reps. Maybe the NFL takes notice of some of these guys. Maybe Cardio gets another shot in the NFL because of the XFL. I mean, this, so I say support it. So. It's like I've been saying, it's the year of the Buckeye quarterback in our nation's capital. Cardell Jones taking D.C. by the storm right now in the XFL and Dwayne Haskins going to come out firing in year number two for the Redskins. Yeah, if Ron Rivera actually backs him, who knows? I mean, he's been up and down on that one. Yeah, he's been a little wishy-washy, but I really get the feeling, like, honestly, this is my take. Who knows what's going through Ron Rivera's mind? But when I've been listening to him, I get the feeling Rivera truly is just trying to protect Haskins right now from expectations more than anything. I feel like he has, or Haskins has his support more than the previous coaching staff did. I think Rivera is just truly trying to pamper him a little bit for his own benefit. That's that's my read on the situation anyhow. Yeah, and you have to be right because imagine signing a contract to come to the Redskins and say, oh, you, you know who your quarterback is. You're not going to get another I mean, I mean, Cardinal situation aside, I mean, who knows? But uh, I, I just – I really refuse to believe he went to ownership and said, I want another quarterback when the ownership likes uh, Dwayne Haskins. So – uh, yeah, I, you're probably right. It's just, it's a little frustrating to see somebody just, I just want to see somebody get behind Haskins, like fully get supportive of him. He could be a great quarterback if you just give him the support. So true or false, speaking of Ohio State quarterbacks, Justin Fields will be the best quarterback in college football this season. I'm saying true. Yeah, I, I got to think so too. That's not even homerism. I just think he will be. No, look, the thing is... I, I don't think this is I think this is being objective actually when I say this. I I thought he was better than Trevor Lawrence this year. I thought he was better than Trevor Lawrence in the Fiesta Bowl and I know you know Fields did have two interceptions, but one of those was not his fault and you know for the course of the game I thought he played better than Trevor Lawrence. Not to, not to take anything away from Clemson or Lawrence for that matter. I thought Lawrence handled himself pretty well against a really really good defense. But I, look, I think Justin Fields, the numbers he put up as a true sophomore this year with the weapons he's going to have next year, with an experienced line, uh, with a really good coaching staff behind him, I think there is reason for Ohio State and Buckeye Nation to be just giddy with excitement. You know, if, if, 
if all goes well and everybody stays healthy, and that's obviously knock on wood, a key issue, a key qualifier. But I think he is going to have a tremendous season this year. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be healthy in the knees again. Uh, you see he's more comfortable as you see his videos where he's dancing, which I love. I love that video. I, I think I watched it like 800 times. Uh, you just you get to see a kid who's not shy and, and, and you know, he's not a kid who's like, you know, he, he doesn't know the story. He wanted to leave after day one last year, you know, because so, he just didn't know anybody. It just was a new environment. Now, it's just, this is, you know, that the, what, he owns the Woody Hayes Athletic Center right now. And he is the guy, and he's okay with that. And on top of that, he's going to year two with Ryan Day. Ryan Day's got to be giddy. He's like, I get a quarterback for a second year? This is amazing. And not only a quarterback, a talented quarterback, a guy who's this talented. And not to mention, uh, and I'm not saying that the receivers are going to be necessarily better because, it, you know, you don't, you, they, lose, they keep losing K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Ben Victor. That, that's a big loss. And uh, But, you know, you get excited about the fact of the, the talent level and the, uh, the ascension of – Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams and others. And then maybe even Ruckert becomes more of a threat. When this is like almost like the perfect storm for the passing game coming in this year when you think about it. Because, you know, Ruckert's coming into his junior year. He's more experienced in the offense. He figures to be more into the passing game like we've been wanting for years. I mean, and of course, Olave, Wilson, and Williams, like I mentioned. And you got four unbelievable talent, unbelievably talented receivers coming in from this recruiting class. I mean, it's it's a perfect storm with Ryan Day's second year with an extremely talented quarterback. I can't even wait to watch this year. And uh, look, the, the offense is going to be really good. I think I, I think as long as they're healthy, they're going to be really good either way. But obviously, whether they're good or whether they're great will depend probably on the run game. And more specifically, I think it's going to depend on Master Teague, his health and how big of a playmaker he can be. Because that offensive line on paper should be absolutely fantastic. And I think Teague is a really good running back. He, he kind of faltered a little bit down the stretch last year. I think it's a couple things. I think uh, somewhat he hit, hit, hit a little bit of a brick wall, maybe from fatigue. Uh, no pun intended, master fatigue. Um, uh, but I also think he was... How dare you? <laughs> I think he was injured, and I also think the combination of playing really, really good defenses the last four games of the year, I think all of those things played a role. But I have no doubt in my mind Master Teague can be a really good running back for Ohio State and, and make a lot of big plays. He's not as big of a shifty runner as J.K. Dobbins, but he can certainly hit a hole and turn it upfield really quick. So I think Ohio State's run game is going to be really good. Uh, just can he hit those big-time home runs? And that, that really, I think, will be the key. And then you got, if he's healthy, Marcus Crowley right. right behind him, and I think that makes it a wonderful one-two combo there. I don't think they're. I don't, I don't think it's going to be an eighty-twenty or ninety-ten split like J.K. was. I mean, J.K. just got all the carries last year. I actually think this year, if Crowley's healthy and Teague are healthy, you're going to see. I mean, I think Teague will get the bulk of the carries. I just think it'll be more evenly split than last year. Much more anyway. When I don't have to explain to you how much, and I know you're right there with me, but how much I like Marcus Crowley. Oh, yeah. We, we were in the spring game last year when he was a true freshman, and you and I were sitting there saying, is it just, just us or does Crowley look really, really good? And we liked him out of high school, but we, now it's transitioning to the college game. And even in mop-up duty and limited time, he's looked really, really good. Right now, I think his arm's in a sling, unfortunately. I hope he's going to be healthy for spring ball. But uh, if you got a healthy Teague and Crowley next year, I think the run game's going to be more than fine. So on the defensive side of the ball coming into the spring, one of the big questions – that people will be asking who will start opposite Sean Wade at corner. Obviously one of the contenders, we don't need to talk about this, but one of the contenders was going to be Amir Reap and he's no longer in the equation. So who 
is your favorite for the second corner and then the the third slot corner for Ohio State next year? You know, I think the two guys will be Cam Brown and Seven Banks one way or another, whichever one plays slot, whichever one plays outside. I agree with you on Cam Brown. I like his moxie. I like his toughness. I think he filled in admirably for even Akuda at times last year when Akuda would go down with injury, especially like Michigan State. Uh, you know, and Seven Banks got all the potential in the world to be really, really good. I, I mean, he had some uh, he had some uh, rough uh, stretches in late in the season, granted, but now he's getting the number seven, so it all bets are off. This is it's going to be his season. I'm just kidding about that part, but uh, and that I I actually think those are the two most talented outside of Sean Wade on the on the roster right now, or maybe not even most, but the most experienced combined with the talent level. I think it'll be those two one way or another. I think when we look at a guy like Zach Harrison, we, we both feel like he is going to break out. Do you see it coming this year? Because I, I still, I there are some people that are all in on Zach Harrison and he's going to be a stud this year. I kind of feel like he's going to have his moments, but I'm not expecting the full breakout of Zach Harrison until next year. Where, where do you stand on that? Gosh, as soon as you were saying that, I thought in my head exactly what you just said. I thought we're going to see flashes where he's going to look dominant, but it's going to be like Chase Young circa 2018 where there's flashes where chase young looks like the best player in college football and then he kind of disappears for a while now i know he was battling injuries in his ankles and things like that's going to slow you down a little bit but i definitely don't think zach harrison i mean i hope i'm wrong i hope he comes out and has 20 sacks that'd be awesome but uh i if how i see it going down is you start to see the development you start to see where he's going to become that player we know he can be but he's he was so raw coming into ohio state you knew it was going to take time and I just I see him as a guy next year. He could end up with seven to eight sacks, but he's just not you know he's not Chase Young yet. You know what I'm saying? But I think his junior year, right, he ends up becoming a Chase Young type player. I know we're kind of looking and we say we're previewing spring, but we're going to look a little bit ahead more to the season as a whole and in general. 2020 recruiting class, really really good players coming in for Ohio State. Some of them already on campus, some of them not. And yes, Kate Stover, I, I joke, I accidentally said uh, he was a fresh, incoming freshman that's already on campus. He's actually been on campus for more than a year. So we're not including Kate Stover in this. But of the legitimate freshmen for Ohio State in 2020, what single player are you most excited about that you are expecting to be an impact player for the Buckeyes in 2020? Oh, man. Uh, CJ Stroud. No, I'm kidding. I. <laughs> Justin Fields got that on lockdown. But um, you know what? I, I was thinking about it. I don't know why, but I think – I really think Court Williams is going to see the field a lot more than we anticipate this year. I don't think he's going to start by any stretch, but I think he's going to have really nice stretches that we – like on special teams and, and in mop-up duty and things like that where we get to see what the future holds. I just think he's a future uh, all-Big Ten player, and I, I love Court Williams. I think he's going to be a future leader, captain. Uh, just going to be a kid that's going to – we're going to see some nasty hits from him and just see the future unfold before our eyes that we're going to see a kid like Court Williams. Like, man, that we get that kid for two more years? Wow. You know, uh, so I'm going to go – I'm going to answer this too. I, I like how you're thinking. I'm going to go same side of the ball, but a guy that I think is underrated that I'm really excited about and I think is going to find a way to sneak into the equation this year is Darian Henry. I think with Ohio State needing to replace some guys up in the middle – they're going to be counting on guys like Darian Henry and Tommy Tugiai, of course, to, to, to raise his game to another level. And, hey, what about Taron Benson? I mean, he's a guy that hopefully can get, get healthy for Ohio State. But I think that they're going to need some, some of those young defensive tackles to step in. 
I think Darian Henry, as a true freshman, has got a chance to contribute. He's obviously not going to be ready to start right away, but I think he can crack the rotation. That's not a bad thought. I mean, Henry, I mean Henry gets uh, maligned a little bit, but people forget he was going through so many injuries in his junior right. year that it, he had a big drop-off because of that. And then he actually came through with a solid senior season, actually looked really good because he got healthy finally. I, I really want to add, I'm not going to say this is my player, but I would, from what I understand, Jacoby Cohen's looking pretty good in early workouts. Uh, they actually were pretty pleasantly surprised by him. I know a lot of fans weren't necessarily high on him, but I actually think he's going to end up being a really nice player. So what storyline uh, storyline or storylines uh, are you most looking forward to as we go into spring, like position battles or just weaknesses or strengths? What are you watching for as we start spring football here in a few weeks? Right tackle. Um, I, I look, I, I think Harry Miller will be a starter at guard. You know, you got Myers and Davis uh, who are, uh, you know, they're, they're in they're, They are entrenched there. And Munford is the left tackle. Now it's getting a little interesting with right tackle with you, you would the, the number one tackle in the country, Nicholas Petit Freer coming out of high school hasn't quite made the impact yet that we expected. Uh, had to gain a lot of weight. Dwan Jones being a really pleasant surprise as a three-star kid out of Indiana. And then, of course, you got the man, the next Orlando Pace potentially, uh, Paris Johnson. And I actually came into it thinking that Paris Johnson had no chance to start. I was like, you know, I was like, come on, it's a freshman. He's, he's going to play. There's no question about that. But start, eh, I don't know. There's too much talent in front of him. And then you hear that he's really impressing people in the workouts. I'm not, they're, not, they're not going through drills yet. They're not going to installing the offense or anything like that yet. But uh, he's got a great start to, to his Buckeye career so far, from what I understand. So uh, I, I got to say, man, could he make it interesting? Could all of a sudden Paris come out of nowhere? I mean, I, I think that'll be interesting to see that battle there between two five-stars and, a, and a, a guy who was a three-star that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, did they get NPF, his own burger joint, right next door to his apartment this year? I mean, uh, you know, th- there was a lot of talk that he was coming on strong late last year in practice, so I want to see if that carries over. But I like where you're at. You know, can Paris Johnson challenge? Can NPF win that job? That is an interesting situation for sure. Um, you know, I, I think for me it's probably the linebacker, somebody – like we saw flashes from Kayvon Pope when he got limited action. We we saw Baron Browning really come on strong. Uh, Taraja Mitchell, you know, can he fill in this year and become a, a difference maker for Ohio State? So I think for me, I'm interested to see how the linebackers progress. I think they're going to be a really good unit. Can they become a great unit next year? Yeah, and I guess the biggest storyline probably for us all is Kerry Combs. Is uh, What's he going to look like as a guy who helps scheme the defense with uh, Greg Madison? Uh, that'll definitely be a big one, man. He is Mr. Energy himself. He is the bull. It's like, uh, what was that line? Uh, uh, so, like Creed from from The Office. Sometimes you just got to ride the bull, man. Oh, he, he, that guy lives on Red Bull. And I, I got to say that latest uh, video of him uh, pumping up the team before practice, or, or maybe it was after practice. I don't know when, what time of the day it was. But I, how animated he gets, I'm like, man, I, I don't. He could, he could motivate me to do the, to do the most mundane things during the day. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's just clean up my room. Okay, I got it. Carrie, Carrie's got me going. <laughs> well, that is going to do it for Locked On Buckeyes. Ohio State football spring practice coming up, uh, starting here in uh, what I think three weeks from now with the spring game, as I said earlier, coming up on April 11th. Lots of time to talk about that. Of course, Ohio State trying to still get down to the 85-man scholarship limit. We'll be waiting to see what happens with C.J. Saunders and his quest for a sixth season. Many, many topics to come up here uh, in the next two months in Ohio State football. And then we got to get through the entire summer 
until until fall practice begins. But one day at a time, one step at a time. Corey Thompson, thank you for joining us uh, over from the Scarlet and Gray podcast. It has truly been my pleasure, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always glad to come up for the big leagues for a cup of coffee. Lock on Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Be sure to find and follow us on the platform of your choice. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. You can follow Corey on Twitter at Scarlet and Great CT. Find me at KYLAM8. Find the show at Lock on Buckeye. For Corey Thompson, this is Kyle Lamb. We'll be back to talk about Ohio State's hopefully win over Iowa in Iowa City on Friday. But until then, have a great Thursday, everybody. 